Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Time to hit it and quit it here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly on 99.9 The Fan. Where we set up the biggest stories in sports, particularly in the triangle. We hit it, and then we quit it, and we get on to the next. I'll start. Duke beat Syracuse last night. Huh? How about it? Yeah. Had to grind that one out, too. Yeah. Now, they pulled away. They won 86-66, but. The Syracuse game, and I said this yesterday on the show, it's always a, I don't care if you win by an inch or a mile. It's a Fast and the Furious game. Dominic Toretto. I don't care if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Um, because they're different. They're weird. They, they play a defense that is, is hard to practice against. They're lanky. They recruit a certain player. Um, with that being said, they're still working on the same things that they've been working on all year. Rim protection <laughs> and, and rim protection and rim protection. Kyle Filipowski got in foul trouble in the first half. Ryan Young and Sean Stewart played four minutes each. Mm-hmm. Partially due to foul trouble, partially coach's decision. That's not a lot of minutes for bigs. And in the first half, it showed. Second half, Filipowski was able to play more, stay out of foul trouble, be a little bit more conservative, and and they pulled away. But there's the blueprint right there. Get Filipowski in foul trouble? I'm worried if I'm Duke. Well, we saw in the Baylor game, that win at Madison Square Garden, Filipowski picked up his fourth foul with I think it was like 7.53 left or something like that. It was just under eight minutes. He had to leave the game. Now, granted, Duke was able to pull away, but arguably your best player, one of your top two players, is on the bench. I actually think late in the game it's less of a big deal than at the beginning of a game. Mm -hmm. Beginning of a game is much more uh, like the early rounds of a boxing fight, right? You're you're trying to break ribs, right? You're you're trying to to body blow. Uh, Late in the game it's – I mean, let's be real. Guards take over when when shot clocks matter and things like that. And and Duke has a bevy of really good really good guards on the perimeter. Um, but if you can get in in foul trouble early in early in the second half, Kyle Filipowski, it's a big problem for them. Uh, with that being said, welcome to the show, Mark Mitchell. He's had a bit of a slow season. Yeah. Uh, showed up, and here's the the, the storyline that is absolutely hilarious. Uh, in between their last two games. Mark Mitchell's dad tweeted out, we as a family do not support what we're seeing from Mark at Duke. How do you show up at a university and lose your identity? Both Mark and Duke need to work it out. Disturbing. The next game after that tweet from Mark Mitchell's dad, Mark Mitchell scored 21 points, a new career high on 7 of 10 shooting. Dad said, don't forget who you are. He said, I know who I am. I'm a scorer. Started going to the bucket. Uh... I don't know if the tweet had anything to do with it, but it was very good to see Mark Mitchell kind of break out. He was a returning starter. He was a major contributor last year, and it was weird seeing him get off to a slow start. If he can keep it rolling, that'd be very good for Duke. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. You like that? You like that? Uh, UNC got a win last night. Yes, they did. They beat Pitt on the road 70-57. First real actual road game this season. 
for North Carolina. Here's something that impressed me, or I think it's something that's impressed me since the UConn loss, how much their defense has improved. Because let's be real, defense won them that game Defense yesterday. and rebounding. Defense and rebounding. And here's here's another impressive stat. Only one second hand chance, only one second chance point for Pitt in this game. And Pitt pulled down 14 offensive rebounds. So those offensive rebound defense for, for UNC. If you don't get the rebound, they weren't going, oh man, they were going. So there are no like yeah. easy putbacks or no like second shots or anything like that that were going in. One second chance point for Pitt in this one. To me, it's it's UNC's defense. Sometimes your scoring isn't going to travel. Your defense always does. R.J. Davis had 15. You've been depending on him for like 23-plus a game. Yeah. So, you know, it, those eight points, you could argue, were made up for on the defensive end. First game all season, Harrison Ingram didn't score in double digits, but he pulled down 15 <laughs> rebounds yesterday. I, I also, going back to your point about it being the first road game, I'm, I'm wondering if we don't see more home-and-homes. We need to. Because – so many teams outside of like um, the ACC SEC challenge, right? Where you don't get to choose that. They're not playing. They're playing a bunch of neutral court, mm-hmm. playing a bunch of home games against smaller mid-major opponents. I kind of love that Arizona and Duke did the little home and home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more of those make a lot of sense. And we're going to see Kentucky and Carolina start doing that. Yep. Starting next season. And I know the coaches will say, well, we don't play on the road in the NCAA tournament. You're playing at neutral site. I was like, well, what's best for your sport? Not only that. That's like, the way I look at it. If you can win on the road, you can win on a neutral court. Exactly. That, that to me is like, you know, swinging a baseball bat with the heavy donut on it. Like, yeah. it's more difficult to win on the road than a neutral court. If you can win on the road, darn sure can win on a neutral court. And also, then maybe you won't complain as much when, you know, one of the regions is in Greensboro and you have to play, uh, you know, a triangle team, right? You, you It happens every year where it's like, oh, gosh, we're in the West region and we have to play USC. It's like, well... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you were better at playing on the road, it wouldn't be that big of a problem. Uh, so I, I just – I'd like to see that. And this being their first true road game and, and ACC play starting and we're already in the new year, that's uh, it's a little brutal. It's a little brutal. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. Speaking of a little brutal, the ACC schedule kicks off for NC State tonight versus Notre Dame. Big game. But also, I'm, I'm going to make this point about State. Their season is getting, like, more impressive through no control of their own, <laughs> right? Normally, to get a big win over a top 25 or to, for one of your losses to be considered a good loss, you have to play a really good team. You know what I mean? They lost – let me explain. I know this is confusing, and I just said that in a weird way. Uh, earlier this year, they lost back-to-back games to BYU and Ole Miss. And at the time, it was kind of harrowing to watch. They lost in very different ways. Right, one game they went like 12 of 25 from three. Another one they went three of 25 from three, and they lost them both. So it's like, all right, whether you shoot well or shoot poorly, that one game that you know was high scoring, one game was low scoring. It was it was two two losses that were a bit bit scary. Well, guess what? You mix in their loss against Tennessee, and Tennessee was a top 15 team at the time. NC State has three losses, and those teams have risen. Tennessee's fifth in the country now. BYU's 12th in the country now. Ole Miss is 22nd in the country now. So your losses have, like, retroactively gotten good. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, oh, those losses weren't that bad. You were just playing really good teams, <laughs> not on, not at home. Oh, another quad one? Yeah. All right, let's go. Like, it's – it's 
retroactively they're turning into not super, super not as harrowing. They're not as like oh ominous. It's it's a little bit better. So you know now that they head into the ACC schedule, the meat of their ACC schedule, they're nine and three. All three losses have come against top twenty-five teams as the rankings sit right now, and they're they're going to play Notre Dame with a chance to establish themselves as maybe a better team than many of us thought they were at the beginning of the year. That's a good opportunity. And by the way, their first, I think it's four games are, are kind of tough. I in, love in the their ACC. I love their guard depth because they have a ton of guards they can throw yeah. at you. The question is, all right, the rotation, figuring this, figuring out who's everyone, what's what's everyone's role. Who's playing these minutes? Who's playing in this situation? Who's you know who's gonna be called on to do what at certain times? But they have a ton of guard depth on that team. And but Keats has got to figure out, got to narrow it down. And not just the rotation of who's on the court, mm-hmm. but when this five is on the court, who's handling the ball? Yeah. When this five is on the court, what's your usage rate? When this five is on the court, how many times are you going into the post? Like it's it's not just the rotation; it's also the roles within each rotation, yeah. right? It's it's Casey Morsell makes a lot of those decisions uh, when he's out there and he's out there a lot. He's he's playing a ton of minutes. Mm-hmm. He's kind of deciding when, who, and where, and what who you know what uh, set are we setting up for this guy, and he has to get used to it. Like there's just a lot of decisions being made. And DJ Horn, I think it's the first time really in his career he's asked to be a primary ball handler too. I really like what DJ Horn is doing. Yeah, I that's just side note i really like what he's done during the non-conference schedule and we'll see if it translates to the acc because i will say this there's a lot that the acc is littered with players that looked great in non-conference schedule then they hit that acc schedule and it's a different beast so i want to see it but i'm really impressed with what he's done so far thank you for listening to the best of the drive podcast i'm tim donnelly here with coach pete of capital financial advisory group coach is it still true that a million is enough to retire on tim maybe and maybe not the most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive we'll give that away to the next 10 people call right now the number to call 800-691-3215 text tim to 600 700 if you're interested in texting once again that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text tim to 600 700 for that deal uh let's quit that let's hit this we got better tonight changes let's go to football actually real fast changes unc defensive coordinator gene chiswick not coming back by the way his contract was set to expire in february at the end of february so I think it's more or less of like we're just not going to re-sign or renew his deal. But UNC is looking for a new defensive coordinator, Tim. And if there's one aspect of this team that you can probably say is underachieved, we're on the defensive side of the ball the last couple of years. Yes. Um, <laughs> do, you, the, do you know what? That there's Timing is everything, right? It's a saying. It's a cliche. Mm-hmm. There's a few different ways this Chiswick announcement, timing is everything. Um one, the transfer portal closed yesterday. And now the announcement is out there that a defensive coordinator is not coming back. I don't love that timing at all. Because that feels like you, unless the players knew ahead of time and this was just some kind of, hey, let's get through the holidays. Um, it feels a bit icky, a little gross, right? If, the, if, if North Carolina knew they were making a change at defensive coordinator, the players deserve to know before the portal closed. Now, there is another opening later on, but teams are filling roles right now, right? That They've used the portal to go and get their guys, so it's tougher. You may say, you know, it, it, it's all is fair in portal and football, whatever. It just, I don't love the timing of it. 
The second thing where timing is everything, Drake May started for two years in Chapel Hill. Those two years just happened to be the exact two years Gene Chizik was the defensive coordinator for, for UNC. And the defense giving up a ton of points, the defense not getting home with their pass rush, the defense maybe not living up to their end of the bargain at times, despite having a bunch of talent. Like, there are got a lot oh, of guys. Oh, they got dudes over there. There are a lot of guys that are going to play NFL snaps on that defense. The fact that they never really put together a defense that gave them a chance to go uh, achieve lofty goals with Drake May as their quarterback, timing is everything, and that timing is pretty frustrating. And I, th- I think their, their defense this season was a microcosm of what Carolina's been as a whole the last two years. The first half of the season, when we did ACC cons and mm-hmm. cons, I was praising their defense for how <laughs> well they were doing on third down. Yep, I was. And then all of a sudden, midway through the season, it just stopped. I like, mean, all of a sudden, third down, they couldn't get off the field, and they were giving up points left and right. And then, sure enough, that's where their season started to go down as a whole, too. I, to me, I thought in year two of Chiswick, then the first half of the year, I'm like, okay, they turned they turned mm-hmm. things around a little bit. And Chiswick was out of coaching. Yeah. So, so sometimes – that second year is when they get back into their rhythm, and there was that that optimism. Yeah. I wish I could bottle the optimism that UNC football fans had after the season opener, the Dukes-Mayo kickoff classic, nine sacks yeah. by the, the Carolina defense against South Carolina. Just that, like, four days after that game, I wish you could bottle that feeling and sell it because it would go for a pretty, pretty price. Oh, yeah. But Chizik's out. The question now is the replacement. Where do you go from it? Who do you go chase? Who wants to sign up to be a defensive coordinator for Mac Brown when, I mean, let's be real, there are questions about how long he's going to be on campus. And do you hire maybe like the head coach in waiting to be the defensive coordinator? What does Chip Lindsay, the offensive coordinator, think about that? Like there's a, there's a lot of interesting dynamics to this next hire. I'm going to float a name out there. Love it. Why not Mike Minter? He was just the head coach at Campbell for a long time, so he's recruited within the state. That His name carries weight for his longtime career with the Carolina Panthers. He just stepped down about a month or so ago, not even as the Campbell head coach. I, I, I really I think it's an interesting point to bring up. I think it's an interesting name to bring up. The only – I'm just going. I'm just going purely yeah, – again, I've, just, I have no basis of this. I'm just saying why yeah, not. We're spitballing here. Yeah. Um, the only thing is I think part of the reason why he may have gotten out of coaching Campbell is because – Recruiting's tiring. College coaching oh, is exhausting. Much. Oh, yeah. And there's a reason why I don't do it anymore. I think he could walk into being a position coach in the NFL. Probably. And and he might, he might just want to work with pros, right? He might yeah. just he might just want to, you know, X's and O's this bad boy and, and show up at camp and, and there's a little bit less recruiting and, you know, 365 days a year commitment, 366 on the leap year like this year. A little bit less of that going on. Uh, but I, 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 hey, I'd make a call. I'd see what he, what he wants, what he needs. He's obviously got some, some uh, cachet. He's been a head coach in, in college football for eleven years. Uh, let's quit that. Let's hit this. It means more. This entire offseason for the NC State football team, up until like today, has been add, 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 add. It, Insert, 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 like it's it's been bring in a quarterback, insert him into the starting lineup, bring in a wide receiver, bring in a recruit, bring in a good recruiting class out of high school, bring in a transfer two-year starter from Notre Dame on the offensive line, bring in, bring in, gimme, 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 gimme. 
Aiden White is in the transfer portal. He's your two-time All-ACC corner. Shy Battle, his running mate, who you could argue was equally as impressive at the other corner this year uh, or more, going pro, announced earlier today. Um, that hurts. That's the first owie for the <laughs> NC State uh, football team this offseason. On top of Peyton Wilson going to the NFL, too. <laughs> you, you knew that was coming, though. Oh, yeah, you, you knew that, but it's just like, wait a second. We knew we were losing that guy, <laughs> you, and then now you, too? And And – one of the things I love about Tony Gibson, their defensive coordinator, who just signed a three-year extension, that was part of the gimme, 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 the, the adding, the awesomeness of their offseason, uh, is that guy has zero fear. He will call an all-out blitz at any point in the game. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, did they just call an all-out blitz in that situation? But that's part of why he is what he is, right? He, he believes what he believes, and he sticks to it. It's so much easier to do that when you have two stud corners. So much easier to be confident bringing eight when you have two stud corners to lock up their their assignments. And if you take those guys away, he's going to be forced to, to be a little bit more conservative with his play calling unless, and here's the, the always the maybe, they've got two more, I don't know. Unless they hit the portal, get two more, I don't know. Unless they've been developing guys behind him and we just haven't seen them, but they've been dominant in practice, I don't know. Aiden White's still in the portal. He could come out. How yeah. hard How hard is the collective working? <laughs> is there an offer that he can't refuse to come back to Raleigh? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. You got to wonder. You always, you always have to wonder. So when you hear of guys going into the transfer portal, especially this late, mm-hmm. who was talking to them? Like, like who, what, like, little birdies? Like, like, yeah, like – this is this is something that's happening. It's happening in college sports. We know it is. It's just one of those things you just can't physically put proof on it. Is that there are back channel ways where coaches can talk to players on other teams and push them to theirs. And and by the way, like this happens. This happened. This is happening against state. This is happening against Carolina. It's happening against Duke. We heard of Riley Leonard going to Notre Dame before he even entered the transfer portal. Before the portal even opened. Sure enough, where does he end up? Notre Dame. And it's it's not as new as people think. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good point. High school coaches have always, I don't want to like uh, say all of them, but a lot of them have always kind of been comfortable being the middlemen, right? If you go to, like, we, we all know the schools that uh, turn out Division One football players every year or every other year. When a coach goes to recruit the next person at that high school, it it doesn't take much to say, hey, coach. Have you heard from uh, Joe Schmo? Joe Schmo being a player that is at some other school from two years ago. Oh, well, hey, if you see him, let him know I was asking about him. Oh, okay. As soon as that coach walks off the high school campus, sends a text. There's nothing against a high school coach texting his former co- player, right? That's been happening for as long as college football has been around. So now the portal, the not sitting out a year, I do think cha- – like. It makes that a more realistic option. But going back to even before that, I, I know that stuff's been happening for a while. I know it has. Mm-hmm.
Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license. Let's quit that. Let's hit this. I'll take this one because I have the numbers in front of me. Oh, hit me. Uh, Joe Pompliano, shout out to him, covers the business of sports. Um... The Pop-Tart Bowl, NC State's bowl game against Kansas State, averaged 4.31 million viewers. Nice. For context, the NBA's Christmas Day average game viewership, Christmas Day, which the NBA used to own. Used to be their thing. uh, 2.85 million. Huh, okay. 51% higher, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, than the NBA on Christmas Day. But it goes even further than that. That uh, Georgia-Florida State Orange Bowl that everybody was, no one cares about this, all the opt-outs, uh, all the, none of the best players are playing. It was 63-3. to 10.3 million viewers on ESPN. Making it the largest Orange Bowl television audience since 2017. There were none of the stars, at least for Florida State. The largest Orange Bowl audience since 2017. The Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan, 27.2 million viewers. Making it the most viewed non-NFL sporting event since 2018. A lot of eyeballs. This comes directly, directly from Joe Pompliano, who covers the business of sports. Even with opt-outs. This year's bowl season was still incredibly popular. The truth is that college football's biggest partners, television networks, sponsors, schools, etc., are all making more money than ever before in bowl season. Mm-hmm. So all that name, image, and likeness is ruining the popularity. Transfer portal is ruining the popularity. Opt-outs are ruining the popularity. The facts say otherwise. People say, oh, why, these games don't matter. Why watch? They're going, we don't know why you watch, but you do. It's Yeah, exactly. We watch <laughs> because you know why? It's entertaining. And if you don't watch, you don't get to watch football in college until next August. Exactly. You better watch this one or you're not watching anything for an entire offseason. I mean, let's be honest. College football is the second most popular sport in this country outside of the NFL. Just, I mean, literally just explain. $27.2 million for the Alabama-Michigan Rose Bowl is the most watched sporting event other than the NFL since 2018. Now, NFL, like, a Super Bowl gets like 150. Well, yeah, million. exactly. Like, the NFL is living in a different world. But of all the other sports, college football's biggest games are bigger than any other of the biggest games. This is NBA. This is World Series the Major League Baseball. This is the NHL. All that. This is LeBron. This is Shohei. This is all of it. 
This is the Masters. This is you name the sport. College football's biggest are bigger when it comes to popularity than anything those other sports have to offer. And finally, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Bruh. We talked a lot about Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechnikov. Even we're going to get into Piotr Krachekov here in a little bit. But there are some Canes players that are putting up some numbers that are really doing a great job that people are, are kind of overlooking, Tim. It's it's a first-world problem, right? Oh, yeah. It's a caviar problem. It's um, when the team is playing so well, certain accolades get overlooked. Yeah. Um, right. Go ahead. So Carolina has played – here's a name I'll bring up. Jack Drury for you. So the Carolina Hurricanes have played 38 games. Mm-hmm. So the first half, those 19 games, Jack Drury, one goal, three assists. Just four points. <laughs> is even, it has a plus-minus rating of zero, so he's even. He only was averaging just under 10 minutes a game of ice time. So, again, not really a whole lot. He's a quote-unquote fourth-line center. Let's look at the last 19 games. All right. Five goals, seven assists, 12 points, plus six, and he's averaging just over 12 minutes of ice time. So he's being rewarded for his contributions as well. And he's also he's also actually supplanted Jesperi Kokaniemi on that second power play unit, and he got a goal yesterday. He has three power play points during that stretch. So look at the first 19 games, goal, three assists. Second 19 games, five goals, seven assists. Like, that's depth contributions. And and not fluke contributions. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, a bunch of deflection. Like, he's controlling the action when he's out there at yeah. playing center. And and he's he's doing a really gosh darn good job of mm-hmm. it. And if Sebastian Ajo wasn't, you know, jumping from 70th in the league in points to 13th in the league in points. Yeah. Or, what you know, the dramatic jump he made, maybe Drury would be talked about more. Um, Stefan Nason has been playing really, 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 really well. And, you know, if maybe if Andrei Svechnikov, who's overlooked in his own right, wasn't getting double-digit po- or uh, double points, multiple points in a bunch of games over the last five or six, maybe he'd be talked about more. It's it's the, the you know, the gift and the curse of playing with, with some of the, the hottest players in the NHL is if you're the fourth hottest player in the NHL, you're the fourth hottest player on your own team, which is is – and I know that's an exaggeration, but yeah. it's 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 kind of the, the way of the world for some of these guys. So we just wanted to shine some, some light on them. Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR, and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 8-777-185-543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook slash NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license.